Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to a very familiar passage. It's, it might be one of the most, one of the all-time uh, favorite passages, maybe the most popular passage of Scripture that has been read. There have been soldiers who have been in the heat of battle that chaplains have read this chapter to them. There have been people who've been at bedsides and sick in the hospital that have had this chapter read to them. This has been read at weddings. This has been read at funerals. It's been read, it's been read you know, all over the world in so many various ways and forms. And I really felt from the Lord this morning uh, to really to talk about a specific part of this chapter. It's actually Psalm 23, Psalm 23, a very famous, famous, famous chapter in the Bible. I want to walk through this scripture today, and then I want to really have some time at the end of the service for us to really, to really uh, spend time praying and seeking the Lord. Um, I, I believe that the Lord wants to do something very uh, special and, and specific in all of our hearts. So let's just, I'm going to read, I'm going to read the whole psalm starting, in chapter, uh, starting in chapter 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look up here for a second. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these first four verses, but I want to let you know today, you might know this, you might not know this, but Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And he's a shepherd that when we come to him, we don't need to look anywhere else. One translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's how I grew up reading this. But this is a little bit more of a modern translation. It says, I lack nothing. You can take this one verse and you can meditate on it for the rest of your life. And you could, anytime you're hitting a jam, you're in a troublesome situation, it's so wonderful to know that Jesus Christ has everything that we need. This was written real quickly by David. David was, uh, uh, King David was a, a man after God's own heart. And uh, he had such a unique perspective on the heart of God. He, he, this was in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, uh, he didn't necessarily have the, he didn't have the revelation that we have today in the New Testament. But he, he was giving glimpses into New Testament Christianity in such a profound way. And so let's keep going through this for a second. The second verse talks about how he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Sometimes as his children, we, we know that we should rest, but we don't necessarily want to rest. We find it difficult. How many of you have ever found it difficult to rest in the Lord? You say, okay, I know I should. Uh, I, know, I, know, I know I should, but man, I'm finding it really hard to do that. Well, what's wonderful about the good shepherd is that he knows when we need to be still and when we need to rest. And he'll bring us, he'll say, no, it's time for you to rest. And leads us besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. This is so important for us to understand that God is going to direct our life not to fulfill our plan. He's going to direct our life to fulfill his plan 
for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the older translation says, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now let's go into verse 5. Verse 5 says this. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time on these two verses. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's read this together. Can we read this together? Let's go. One, two, three. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want, if you look here at the one, two, three, four, the fifth word, it says that you prepare a table before me. Can we all say before me? So many times as we're following the Lord and in our Christian journey, we don't recognize that the very thing that we need is right in front of us. It's right before us. You ever, um, I, I, had a friend, I had a friend once who, they did this kind of thing. They had their glasses up here. And they were looking for their glasses, and they're like, man, where are these things? And it's like, man, I, where are they at? And they go, and they said, hey, hey, man, have you seen my glasses? And you're kind of like, yeah, right there on top of your head. Oh, so forgot about that, you know. And they put it on, and that's just a really simple, a simple thing. I remember the first time when I came to Chicago, and I don't know, 13, 14 years ago now, and I didn't understand. This was, by the way, pre-Google Maps and pre-everyone had a, had a GPS assistant in their car. And I didn't understand the grid system and how it all worked. And there would be sometimes I'd be walking around the block like seven times before I realized I had passed that one storefront, which, by the way, had a door about this big, okay? And I was looking for something big and not recognizing, oh, the very place I was trying to go, it was right in front of me the whole time. It's before me. This is what this idea is talking about, that he prepares a table before us. And today, here's what I'm praying for us as a family, that this, that this truth that I'm going to share with you in a moment would go so deep in our hearts, that Jesus replenishes and empowers us in the midst of our storms and battles. Let me say that one more time. I know they have a slide back there. It says this, that Jesus replenishes and empowers us in the midst of our storms and battles. So if you look at, there it is. If, if look at your Bible as they have that here. I hope you, hope you have your Bible. I want to keep this up on the slide here. I want you to look there at verse 5 uh, in, in the Bible. And you'll see there that it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So many times we think that we have to wait for the storm or the battle to be finished before we can really be replenished by the Lord. 
So many times we think that, okay, when I get to that certain destination, that's when I'm going to be renewed. That's when I'm going to get what I need. That's when I'm going to find hope and strength. It's okay to be depressed for the next week because I know that in, in next month I'm going to be okay. It's okay to be in this fight today and just barely making it through because, you know what, when it's all over, then I'm going I'm to read, read my Bible once the battle's over. I'm going to go to the prayer meeting once this storm is over. I'm going to talk to my spouse and really make peace in the relationship once we get through this situation. I'm going to help my child with their issue once I'm done with this storm of mine. Not recognizing that the beautiful privilege that we have as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as children of God, is that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He doesn't say, well, when the enemies are gone, when the storm is over, okay, then I'm going to give you what you need. No, he says, I lay it out before you right where you're at, even if you're in the middle of the storm and you're in the middle of the battle. I will give you everything that you need. The title of the sermon today, of, our, of, our, of, our, of the message today, is Sustenance in the Storm. Sustenance in the Storm. He does it in the middle of the storm and the battles that we're facing. I, I'm, just, I'm just so thankful that, that Christianity is not about having to go to a certain destination to receive from the Lord. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, the woman at the well said, well, you know, your people say that, that, um, that you need to worship in this place, and our people say you need to worship in this place. And Jesus said, the day is coming, and it has already come, when my people will worship me in spirit and in truth. What he was saying is that the, the transaction between man and God was not going to be time-specific or, or space-specific because the mystery was that God was himself going to come to live inside of people so that they could receive whatever they needed, whenever they needed, on the spot. Let's praise God for on-the-spot help, grace, and support today. Hallelujah. So sustenance in the storm is what I want to walk through today. So if you look at verse 5, it talks about how he prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. The, the, the first point is this, is that Jesus calls a ceasefire in order for us to replenish and reload. Jesus calls a ceasefire in order for us to replenish and reload. So what I mean by that is, is we're in this, Paul calls it the, the running a race. He also talks about fighting the good fight of faith. He talks about uh, this idea of, of, of competition and, and of fighting and of pressing and of working and of going and of moving. One, one theologian said this, you've heard me say this many times before, that Christianity is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. Okay, it's not, we, New Testament, Christ, maybe American Christianity has turned into everything that makes it comfortable for me, but all throughout the New Testament, you see a language that, that talks about this idea that we are constantly in a place of struggle and challenge, and we've talked about that in days past. And so, the enemy of our souls, when you talk about the enemy, I want to, I, I typically, in the book of John, it talks about this, that that there's the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is not the people in the world. The world is the world system. The world is the, world is the, is, is the, is the thoughts that come from the world, the culture, the media, all of these things that, that, just, that, that, that just can permeate our, our hearts and our homes. 
the world, the way the world thinks. Anything that does not come from God, guess where it comes from? The world. So you, once in a while, you may have heard this idea of worldliness. You know what a great definition of worldliness, the, the, great, the late pastor James Ramsey said this. He was a, um, uh, a great late pastor. I don't remember where he was from, but he was a great man. Okay, he, he, he wrote a commentary on the book of Revelation. He's a Puritan writer. I forget what country he was from. But he said this. He said that anything that does not come from God in, in by principle has to then come from the world. So it's, sometimes that's our greatest enemy. It's because we have to be in the world but not what? Of the world. So that could be an enemy. The other enemy we know is the flesh, the sinful nature that, that we will not be completely free of until we are face-to-face with Jesus Christ. Praise God that that, that, there, that he has delivered us from this body of sinful death. He has set us free from it, but we still have to deal with it on a daily basis. So sometimes that could be the enemy, the, lower, the sinful impulses of the lower nature. And then there is the devil. The devil, the prince of darkness, Lucifer, the, the great arch enemy of our souls. And so these are, the, these are the enemies that we can, we can be in the midst of. And so the agenda of, of the enemies of our life are, by the way, I'm going to use the word battle and storm today synonymously. Because today you may not say, I'm in a battle, but you might be in a storm. So you, you also might say, I'm in a storm. I'm not in a storm, but you do feel like you're in a battle. So I really, I want to use, use these words synonymously. I believe the text gives us the levity to do that. And so, so if you're in a battle or you're in a storm, the, the purpose of, of especially being in a battle is to wear you down to the point that you will give up. When, whenever you're in a competition against somebody, it's so that they can, whoever is the strongest typically to the end, those are the people that win. So, um, but is there any, um, I, I, I won't have you raise your hand, but you might be in here. You probably are. But is there any NASCAR fans here today? One. Okay, let's print. Okay. One, that two. Okay, so NASCAR is, a, I'm, I, I'm not really a fan, but I can really appreciate the sport. NASCAR is one of, it's, it's actually very complicated. Uh, there are millions and millions of fans. Uh, majority of them are below the Mason-Dixon line where I used to live and, and are in the south. But it's really a fascinating sport when you begin to study it because, because what hap- all of those cars pretty much go the same speed. They're virtually, if you, if you go toe-to-toe, some might go a couple miles an hour faster or less. The key to really winning one of those professional races, whether it be NASCAR or formula racing or whatever, is, is the ability to make the right pit stop and the ability to time when you pull off the side of the road to get the tires fixed, to get the engine tuned, to get, new, to get more gasoline. Because the unsung heroes, the people that really make the difference are the, are the, are the people in the pit crew. Because the faster you can get in the pit, get the tires changed, get your car serviced and back on the track, the, those are the people who are going to win. And they talk, if, if you ever watch it or listen to it, sometimes you're like, how do you watch a car go in a circle forever? Other people might say, how do you watch a team that can't win for 100 years? You know, it might be the same thing, you know, but I'm just saying... Hey, I'm a Cubs fan. No, no, I could say that with authority, okay? Don't, we'll talk afterwards, okay? All right? So the point being is that let's not judge our fellow brothers, sports brothers, okay? So wherever you find yourself, there, there's this idea that whoever typically can pit the fastest, those are the people who are going to many times are going to be the ones that win. If you're in a boxing match, the key, the person who can, who can endure the most hits and also can lay the most hits but can also has the strongest endurance, those are the ones who are going to win. And I believe many times, if you can just picture with me for a second, 
the enemy of our souls, maybe you're here today and the devil has just been wearing you down. Maybe temptation has just been flying at you left and right. Maybe you've been getting thoughts of discouragement, depression, condemnation, thoughts of fear. They've just come at you, come at you, come at you, and it's just been relentless. It's been day after day after day after day. And, you know, maybe, maybe three weeks ago you, you had 100% strength, and now maybe you're only at 50% strength, and then pretty soon you're only at 10% strength. And then before you know it, you, you wake up in the morning, and you, I, you may have said these words, say, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through the day today. And if we're all honest, we've all had days like that. And you're at the lowest of the low. And I can imagine that those are the moments that the enemy of our soul is standing by ready to come in with the killing blow. Because he's trying to wear us down to the point that that he can then come in and come in with the finishing blow to the point that we give in, we give up, or we run away. But you know what's wonderful about the Lord who is our shepherd? is that he deserves the right to step in and say, okay, devil, time out. He can step in and say, you need to be quiet. I'm going to put a table out here for a minute. My child is beat down. They are exhausted. They are, they are worn out. I'm going to set this table out. I'm going to pull two chairs out. You're going to sit on one side. My child's going to come sit on the other side. Okay, now as they're sitting here, I'm going to come And I'm going to renew them, and I'm going to strengthen them, and I'm going to make them stronger than when the fight even started. And I can imagine that the devil is saying there, you know what, Christ, you know, this is sure is not fair. I've been wearing them down for a whole month, and now you come in at the last minute, and you make them stronger than when the fight even started. And then, you know, I feel, I imagine that Jesus would say something like this. Well, devil, you know what? Anytime I'm involved in the fight, it's never going to be fair because they're my children, and I can call a ceasefire whenever I want to. I can step in and say, time out. You know why? Because he's the author of life. He created all of the rules. He's the sovereign king of the universe. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. The earth is his footstool. His enemies are under his feet. He has already said it is finished and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And the Bible says call upon the Lord in the day of trouble and he will come and he will strongly help us and support us. So brothers and sisters, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, he says, I'm going to come in and call a timeout. I'm going to call a ceasefire to help my brother, help my child become strong again. You know that story where Jesus is fall, he fell asleep in the boat? They just had a long day of ministry and Jesus is, he just, he just knocked out in the middle of the storm. So there's, there's a lot of ways to look at that story. But one way to ask yourself is the question is, how is it that Jesus was able to sleep in the middle of the storm? Well, one thing is because we know that he's the king and the Lord of all, and the storm, you know, the storm, you know, bows to him. But I believe another thing, according to this passage, is he was modeling for his disciples. You don't have to wait for the storm to pass to get rest. You can rest and be renewed right now where you are at. You can be rocking and rolling with that boat and say, yeah, it's making me a little seasick, but I can still get a good night's rest in the Lord. I can still be at peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding can still guard my heart from all alarms. I can get rest and replenishment in the Lord. 
rest and replenishment. We do not have to wait for the end. So what are some things that are at this table? So as you look at the scripture there, it says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our, of our enemies. What, what are some things on this table? Well, it says you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I want to take a minute and look at this specific idea of oil. So not only does Jesus call the timeout, he will, he will he'll call the timeout, but he, he wants to specifically talk about what's going to happen at the table. The oil of the Lord, in biblical times, oil was used for cooking, for medicine, for lamps, and for ordination. Leave it right there for a second. So when we read this, we have to understand the significance and, and what the purpose of oil was used for. Even today, we, you, when you cook a little food, you want to use some oil in, some, in certain, certain recipes. And, and medicinally, uh, back in the day, uh, oil was used for stomach ailments. Oil was used for cuts and for bruises um, and to really uh, br- bring relief from, from certain type of pain. Oil was used in lamps. Uh, they would have an, a lot of times, many of you have seen an oil lamp or there's oil at the bottom and then there's a wick and you light the, the wick, it's full of oil and you can light it and then it can keep a steady flame and it can bring about great illumination. Oil was also used in ordination. When the priests and the kings of the Lord were to be ordained, they would put oil upon their head as a, as a sign of, of the authority and of the presence of God being upon them. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of God himself. And, and, and we know from the New Testament that Jesus Christ is the baptizer. He's the one who promised that when he went to heaven that the Spirit of God would then come to live inside the hearts of his people and that the Spirit of God would also come to give, to give empowerment to his people. So oil is a sign of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a symbol of rest and replenishment in the Lord. So today, I want to look at what does this mean? So we come to the Lord's table. So maybe you're here today and, 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 and you, you say, okay, I'm in the midst of that battle. I'm in that storm and, and, and I want to come to the Lord's table. Okay, he can call a timeout. He can call a ceasefire. He can call a ceasefire. What, am I get, what do I need to do when I get to that table? Well, here's what happens. What happens is, if you can go to the next slide, please, is that here's what the oil of the Lord does. First of all, it renews our strength. It heals our wounds. It clears our vision, and it powers us for the task at hand. Let's take it one at a time. It renews our strength. Oil for nourishment. Today we can come to the throne of the Lord. We can come to the table of the Lord. And we can say, God, I don't want to wait till the battle's over because I don't know how long the battle's going to go. I have a, a, a message maybe for somebody here today. The Lord Jesus Christ deserves the right to allow storms and battles in our lives to go as long as he sees fit. Let me say that one more time. God himself will lead us into battles and will lead us into storms, and we can trust in him today. But we're we're the servants of the Lord, and he deserves the right to say, you know what? This storm, it's actually going to last about four or five months. And we have a decision to make. Okay, this storm's going to last four or five months. Some of you have been in a battle that maybe has been lasting for years. The word of the Lord today is not, I don't sense this from the Lord today. Maybe it's for you. I don't sense the Lord saying to you, okay, well, the battle's going to be over today. I don't, that's not what the point of this text is today. The point of the text is 
What about in the middle of the battle? What about in the middle of the storm? Because we have a choice to make. We could say, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to grip my teeth. I'm just going to make it through. I'm just going to survive. I'm going to do what I can and just try to survive and make it through the storm. But I, I don't want you to miss an amazing, amazing opportunity. Do you know how much you will grow in the Lord when you learn to let God strengthen you in the midst of the battle? When he will give you rest and renewal in the midst of the storm? The oil of the Lord is for nourishment. He wants to feed you a meal right where you're at. Jesus can say, and I believe he is saying, time out. Come away with me. I'm going to set a table before you right in front of your enemies. And you know what? They're going to have to watch you become strong. Oil for nourishment. Sometimes battles and storms can get us bruised up. Sometimes arrows and, and, the, and the, sometimes words have been said in the midst of a conflict that have really cut you and hurt you in a very deep way. Maybe you've been in a battle and somebody said something to you that has opened up deep, deep wounds in your soul. Or maybe you've created deep wounds. The oil of the Lord is a sign of the healing of the Lord Jesus. In the book of James it says, Is any sick among you? Let them bring them to the church and they will anoint them with oil. God, in the midst of your enemies, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the battle, he wants to bring about incredible healing for you. He'll heal you from all of the bruises. He'll heal you from all of the, the hurts and the pains. Only the Lord can do that. And you don't have to wait until it's over. You don't have to wait until you've gone through all of it. You don't have to say, well, I'll just get... I'm gonna, this is only going to last another four months. I'll just wait till then, and then I'm going to, then I'll kind of retreat and ask God to heal my heart. No, ask God to heal your heart today. Ask him to heal your mind today. Ask him to heal you from the pain today. Oh, he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. By his stripes we have been healed, the Bible says. He purchased our healing on the cross. Why would we want to delay our healing any longer? When the healing of the Lord is available today, he anoints my head with oil. He'll bring the healing of the Lord upon me today. Thirdly, he clears our vision. Let me pause here for a second. I, sometimes the greatest pain can come from a broken relationship. Maybe you've had a relationship that's been broken that is really, it's ended. Maybe you're in the middle of a relationship being broken. I have some dear brothers and sisters that I know in our church who've gone some, who in the past and some of them have unbelieving spouses and the spouses have walked away from the marriage and some have gone through a really traumatic time in their marriages. Maybe it's in a marriage, maybe it's in a friendship, maybe it's in a family relationship. And maybe you've been putting off, you're in the middle of a battle right now with that relationship. And you've been putting off your heart being healed and forgiving for some later date. Today, the Lord wants to bring his precious oil and wash it over the wounds of your heart.
He wants to bring healing and release to you today. Imagine how much stronger you'd be in the battle if you weren't holding bitterness and pain in that relationship. Have you thought for a minute that even though that relationship might be ending, God wants to use you to bring him glory? But sometimes we can't bring glory to Jesus because we've not allowed his healing to come in. In the middle of the battle, the storm. Oil for healing. Thirdly, it clears our vision. It clears our vision. Oh, man, there's nothing worse than fighting a battle in the dark. When I, uh, We don't do certain things here with our youth ministry because... We did them when I was in the youth ministry growing up as a little kid, and I learned a lot of lessons. Okay, I said, not doing that when I'm in charge. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what I'm saying. Let me tell you the story, and then you'll know what I'm saying. We would have these things growing up in church called lock-ins, which I just, it's a funny business. And um, we, it was all guys who were like fifth-grade boys. Can you imagine 200 fifth-grade boys running around the sanctuary in the dark? That's the church I came in. We love Jesus, but they did some things that were interesting. So anyway, so one of the, the youth leader at the time, he had this great idea. He said, let's have a pillow fight in the dark. And I'm sorry, let me slightly recant. It wasn't 200. It was like 130 fifth grade boys, okay? And so we all got these pillows. They turned the lights off in the whole church. Don't worry, it was not the Chicago Tabernacle. It was another church far away. And... Um, Great people, love God. I don't have to keep prefacing it, okay? But the point is this. So they, they turn off the lights. And some one of these kids got an idea to take one of the hymnals from in the pew and put about four hymnals inside his pillow. He just locked that thing up. And I still to this day don't know who it was. And if I find out, I'm going to need healing for my heart, okay? But the point is, as I remember minding my business, it was pitch black. I was going down the hallway and something just came out of nowhere. I thought it wasn't a pillow. It was hard and hurtful and just knocked me to the ground. And I got up and I, I was pitch black. I couldn't see. And I'm swinging everywhere I can go. I'm like, turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. Who's hitting me with books? And then we saw hymnals all over the ground. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. So, so that's just a funny story. But even... There's a lot more serious battles that we face and storms that we have to go through. It's very difficult to do it in the dark. Jesus doesn't, doesn't ask us to fight in the dark. He's the light of the world. He'll give us the vision that we need. He'll turn the lights on. Today, you might say, God, I, I'm not going to give up, but God, i got to see. I need to see. I need light. I don't know what to do, where to go, left or the right. I feel like I'm groping around in the darkness. God, would you just help me to see? He gives us oil for illumination. Lastly on this, he empowers us for the task at hand. He gives us oil for our heads. This is the commissioning that he will give us. He said, wait and tarry, wait until you've been given, you've received power from on high. God just doesn't give power to missionaries who go to Indonesia or for pastors or worship leaders. The first people that were anointed by him were ordinary unschooled fishermen. Wherever you may find yourself here today, God is not asking you to go through the storm or to fight that battle in your own strength. The oil of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord, the empowerment of the Lord is available for you. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, he promises power for the task at hand. Some of you might be students and you might say, I'm in a class that my future depends upon it and I really it's very difficult for me to learn. I could sit here and tell you story after story 
of the Spirit of God coming upon people and even helping them in the classroom and in giving. One, 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 one man of God said it like this, the Holy Spirit can make you smarter, okay? Empowering you. Maybe you're having a difficult time at your job. You're having a difficult thing. There's tasks ahead. Maybe there's some, whatever it might be. Small tasks, big tasks, big tasks. God doesn't discriminate upon that. He doesn't look down from heaven and say, oh, I'm not going to waste my power on that little thing. No, we're his children. He'll empower us for the task at hand. The oil of the Lord. The oil of the Lord. If you're here today and you would say, I, I, I need fresh oil from the Lord I, and I don't want to wait. I'm in the middle of a storm. I'm in the middle of a battle. And I want the fresh oil of the Lord. The Bible says he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. You see, because God doesn't just give us a little bit. He'll give us more than enough. He'll give us more than enough. Maybe as, as, as the message is being spoken, the Spirit of God has been tugging at your heart and touching your heart. He's preparing a table before you today. It's right in front of you. It's in the Spirit. But He says, my child, just come to me and I'm going to refresh you and renew you. I'm going to give you what you need today. You don't have to wait. I want to give you fresh oil today. With all eyes closed, if you would say, I, I, need f I would like fresh oil from the Lord. Just lift your hand up in the presence of the Lord. You say, I need fresh oil from the Lord today. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the new oil upon our brothers and sisters today. We thank you for the oil of healing. Thank you for healing wounds. Thank you for healing relationships today. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God is our healer. Father, I thank you for giving the vision that is needed, Lord, that we don't have to walk in the dark. You are the light of the world today. Thank you for the new vision, O oh Lord. Father, those who are weak and they are weary, they're about to give up. Father, I thank you for strengthening them today, for giving them nourishment in their souls, Father. And Father, we know that the task ahead of us is really too great for any of us. I thank you for the oil of empowerment, for the fresh power from the Holy Spirit. Take the hand next to you in the, in the chairs and at the altar, and I want you to begin to pray to the left and to the right. God, give us the new oil of empowerment, the oil that brings power and authority for the task at hand. Begin to pray to the left and to the right. God, give us the oil that we need to fight the battle with your strength, to battle and to, to, to walk with endurance, Lord. The oil of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we pray, oh God, that you would anoint with power in the name of Jesus. Lord, we recognize that we are weak and that we stand, oh God, in places, Lord, where the enemy seems to have the victory, oh God. But Lord, I pray for the person that's discouraged, the person who's lost faith, the person whose eyes can't see how you can win. I pray in the name of Jesus, anoint 
with power, oh God. Strengthened by your Holy Spirit, oh God. We pray that you would push back the devil, oh God. We pray that you would push back the devourer, oh Lord Jesus. We ask, oh God, where things have been falling flat, oh God, where we've been trying to do what we know to do. I pray, oh God, that we would do it, oh God, in your power, in your strength, and that you would breathe on your people, oh God. Lord, that as they go to do your work, Lord, that you would, oh God, supernaturally break through in the name of Jesus. We want to see, oh God, the power and the hand of God move in a way that we weren't even expecting. Something that we couldn't even believe if someone would have told us before, oh God. We pray, oh God, supernaturally come through, oh God, with solutions that go beyond our understanding. With solutions that go beyond our resources, oh God. We pray that you would come through, that you would deliver, that you would raise to life, that you would heal, oh God. And we pray, oh God, as we go to do your work, oh God, send us with your power in the name of Jesus. Breathe on us, oh God. May fire be burning in our souls. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together and praise the Lord for the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Can you put up verse 6 for me real quickly? Here's our closing promise as we go. The last part of this verse, it says, of this chapter, it says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So look here for a second. Traditionally, when we think of the idea of follow, we imagine something just kind of coming behind us. But the picture here that from that that, that actually is is a better picture for us to understand. If you put the next slide up, the word follow really means this. It means to follow in or as if in pursuit to chase. So what I want to pray as we, as we go from this place is this, is that goodness and love will chase us down for the rest of our lives. The goodness and love of God will chase us down. Maybe historically you've looked behind you and you've seen enemies. Maybe your whole life you've run from enemies, you've run from challenges, you've run from problems. As the people of God, when we look over our shoulder, we don't have to see our enemies chasing us anymore because the blood of Jesus has defeated them. But we can look back and we say, oh, that's goodness and love. It's going to chase me down. It's going to overtake me. It's going to pull me back whenever I'm away. The goodness and the love of the Lord is going to chase us down. Let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you today. We receive the promise of God that the goodness of God, that the love of God is going to chase us down for the rest of our lives. We thank you that we don't have to look over our shoulders in fear or discouragement. We thank you that you have dealt with all of our enemies. And even though we're in the midst of the battle, thank you that you're in front of us and that you're behind us, Lord. We honor you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's put our hands together and pray. Praise Him one last time today. Hallelujah.